This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, October 25th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Mountain Village launches new housing programs, G is for Government Previews Telluride Town Council, Halloween is back, and a mountain weather forecast. But first, Telluride lost a member of its community this weekend. Longtime Telluride local Bill Wells was found dead in his home on Sunday morning after fighting an unknown illness, according to the San Miguel County Coroner's Office. He was 77 years old. The cause and manner of death are under investigation. Crippen Funeral Home will attend to services. Wells is survived by his nieces, Liz and Sarah, his nephews, Robert, James, and Mark, and his sister, Jane. Housing continues to be top of mind for local governments. At a Mountain Village Town Council meeting last week, council discussed three new options or ideas to increase housing and address the local crisis. One of the programs is a pilot project to encourage residents in village core apartments to rent out rooms in their apartments that are underoccupied to Mountain Village town employees. I think what we envision is uh, um, a rent credit towards those people you know, some some sort some form of payment, but then also that person would be splitting the rent with whoever moves in on a temporary basis. So there would be a financial benefit. That's John Miller, community housing project director for the town of Mountain Village. The employee would stay with that person until a new a new unit's available, or they mutually agree that they just want to be roommates. And so that could also happen. But it's it's just another solution. I don't think it's going to save the world, but it's additional units we otherwise don't have. Miller says he has reached out to VCA residents and received feedback from two tenants who would be interested in the program. And he hopes more residents will be interested once they see how the program works. For Paul Weiser, interim Mountain Village town manager, the program is an example of the whole community stepping up to address the housing crisis. We've asked you know, the community to consider uh, amendments to the CDC to create duplexes. Uh, we're now asking BCA residents to you know, contribute to the solution. And so I think that it should be clear to everyone that this is not, and the community housing initiative is not something that the onus is being put on one group. We're really looking for the entire community to be the solution. The second housing program at VCA is actually a change to leases for Mountain Village employees. Currently, Miller notes, Mountain Village employees are allowed to skip the wait list for a unit at VCA. Their housing is contingent on employment for the first year. After that, they get to keep their home whether they continue working for the town or not. For 95% of the new hires, this isn't a problem. Um, We do seem to have some instances where people have been hired and it's almost like a shot clock. Once you hit that year mark, you leave employment and you're able to keep your housing. And so this aims to, to change that policy. Under the new policy, starting at lease renewal, an employee will need to give up their housing if they leave their work at the town. Miller says the policy would not apply to people who retire from the town or those who take medical leave or a sabbatical. Weiser says the goal is to help more employees find housing if they're hired from out of area. We're having a really hard time getting people hired and then into the community. Um, We make an offer to people that are excited to work for us, and then we don't have a spot to put them even on a temporary basis. So we really do need some of these units to be available for our employees. 
In a separate work session, town council also discussed locations for the town to build housing on property it already owns. Miller has created a draft document for a community housing inventory, looking at what those properties are. The document itself doesn't include prioritized list of actions or dollar cost. It's really just an analysis of what we own, what potential opportunities could be for those properties, and how we can potentially get there in terms of, again, the money. Miller says the goal is to help spread community housing across the town and not concentrate it in specific areas. I think we have a lot of those spaces right now with VCA and the Meadows. But to look holistically at the town and say, where are our town-owned properties and what opportunities could be available? And you see the ones that I've identified are spread throughout the entire town from the south side at the top of the mountain all the way down to projects that could potentially still move forward in the meadows. Miller identified eight properties that could be suitable. He says some of them would make more sense for the town to build a single-family home and sell it. Others are more suited for a larger rental project in collaboration with a developer. We really, again, be trying to target public-private partnerships for rental products. Those would include a land lease, typically. Their land donation or a 99-year land lease to that entity. Um, They would run and manage any type of rental product. Again, with the for-sale type model, it might make sense for the town to publicly finance that, to sell those at the end of construction, not for a profit, but for, you know, we want to clear our books and then um, continue to work through that. As we sell, we keep this pool of money, we build, we sell, we build, we sell. The lots range from half an acre, where the VCA maintenance shop currently sits. Another possibility is 1.5 acres on the current Meadows parking lot. The way Miller sees it, housing could be built up with parking underneath, similar to Telluride Silverjack building. The largest lot size is just over three acres on San Joaquin Drive. Miller notes the lot is steep and not actually ideal for building. He says the town could switch the zoning with another lot in town. That lot could then be used to build. Miller acknowledges some of the lots will require flexibility from development codes. But I think we're trying to look at all different options available. The discussion looking at town-owned properties was only a work session, and council didn't make any decisions on the plan but showed support for discussing it further. Here's Mountain Village Mayor Leila Benitez. I mean, this is just opening our eyes to what that conversation can look like now. And there are so many possibilities that I don't think most of us have thought about. So thank you. Town Council supported and approved both VCA programs to increase housing in the apartment complex. Telluride Town Council is convening on Tuesday for its regularly scheduled meeting. Housing and the budget are on the agenda. In this installment of G is for Government, designated hitter Mayor Delaney Young shares what to expect. Thank you for joining me for another installment of G is for Government with our designated hitter D is for Mayor Delaney Young. Julia. Um, so town council is going to be back on Tuesday with y'all's regularly scheduled meeting. And some things have kind of shifted around since maybe the meeting was first announced, especially in the morning. So can you just share what the morning is going to look like for town council on Tuesday? Yes, I will do that. We had an appeal scheduled for 10 a.m., 
which was withdrawn by the applicant. That was their doing, not on us. However, because of noticing laws, that had to be noticed two weeks ago instead of just before the council meeting like we normally do. And since then, they pulled the item, and it's too late really to do major maneuvering with the agenda. So we have it noted in there that it has been withdrawn again by the applicant. We still are going to start our meeting at 10 a.m. We will likely pull some things from the afternoon that are generally a little bit easier to maneuver. We would like to keep the second item talking about winter camping at the 11 o'clock slot. We try to not change the agenda as much as possible in case people have um, maneuvered their day in such a way to attend a specific item. So the second item will stay at 11 o'clock. And in the morning, we will most likely put the manager's report and other administrative reports in the morning talking about general business that, you know, I don't know if everybody always listens to that anyway. <laughs> Got it. And so then the work session talking about winter camping will start at 11. Obviously, it's a work session, so no real major decisions will be made. But for people who maybe haven't been tuned in to what that topic is, can you just give a, a brief overview of what is that conversation? You're absolutely right. Work sessions, we don't technically take action. However, up until this point, the discussions about the winter camping opportunities have been to give administrative leeway to staff because that is who will ultimately be dealing with the ins and outs of this process. Where we left it was that the majority of, if not unanimous on certain points, unanimous consensus on council was to have some form of winter camping, more specifically at the parking lot at Town Park, and staff was going back to go through some of the finer points for what that might look like, how it would go, because obviously there's not water lines and sewer lines. So there's a lot of internal administrative stuff that needs to happen. That's the morning for it. And then the afternoon is there's a lot of presentations and proclamations, um, welcoming new members of staff. But the main item that is going to be taken care of in the afternoon is potentially passing the budget for 2022. Can you talk a little bit about what that's going to look like um, given you had a, a whole work session on Monday about about that topic. Yes, we had a special meeting Monday, which is today, that we added to our already quite full budget schedule for 2021, making up the budget for 2022. The intention of having that special meeting was to get as close as we could to finding consensus, again, on everything budget-related, which is our goals and objectives for 2022 and the general fund and the capital improvement plan, which is done on a five-year outward-look basis, and all of the other restricted funds and um, things like the transportation fund, the sewer fund, the water fund, the affordable housing fund. We got through all of that, and ultimately, I think we're in a very good place for that item tomorrow, which is an action item 
or Tuesday, depending on when you're listening to this, and that we will be able to get an overview and move to the action itself. Perfect. Um, so those are kind of the, the high points of the meeting. But I have to ask as well, Delaney, this is the final town council meeting before you'll have a new town council next month. How does that feel? Bittersweet, I guess. Todd Brown is termed out. He has given eight years on council. He was sitting on commissions before he was ever on council. I think he probably plans on remaining involved to some extent with some of those boards and commissions. And that's a really big deal. It's a big chunk of someone's life. And Tom has served in his hometown and having him not run again and serve again, it's it's a bittersweet feeling. The sweet comes, I guess, from knowing that there's other people who are interested in serving. And it is a big lift, especially now, after coming off of the last two years we've had. I think anyone who throws their hat in the ring to do public service after everything that has gone on is a very admirable thing for them to do. Delaney, thank you so much for coming and taking a few minutes to chat today. Thank you. It's officially the spookiest week of the year. Halloween is fast approaching, and after taking a year off, the goblins, vampires, and scary monsters under the bed are coming back in full force. Halloween guidance in 2020 was to stay home. Now, one year later, public health is encouraging kids and adults alike to get down with their spooky selves safely. When it comes to kids being outside and celebrating, trick-or-treating really seems like a safe option at this point. So that's definitely something we're encouraging is outdoor gatherings um, more than indoor, of course. That's Lindsay Mills, public information consultant for San Miguel County. She notes local public health guidance is based on recommendations from the Colorado Department of Public Health and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. At this point in the pandemic, public health officials acknowledge communities are comfortable living with a higher disease burden. We know the five commitments and have vaccines. But when it comes to Halloween and trick-or-treating, children who are not yet eligible for the vaccine will be out and about, engaging with people outside of their typical circle. I personally don't have children, but I look forward to, you know, helping them celebrate the Halloween holiday um, and encouraging, you know, safe practices when it comes to trick-or-treating. I think, you know, in, a, in any way possible right now, we want to celebrate and let our kids have fun, but we also want to keep them safe while they're still ineligible to be vaccinated, even though that may be coming pretty soon, we hope. She says that means wearing a mask when trick-or-treating or passing out candy, even if you're outside, and washing your hands frequently. When it comes to folks that are not trick-or-treating, if you're looking at you know, an older age group, if you will. Um, of course, outdoor gatherings are generally going to be safer than indoor gatherings. So we're encouraging people to gather outdoors, to continue to wear masks, honor social distancing, wash your hands. And of course, if you're sick, stay home. And when it does come to trick-or-treating, Mills has a specific costume she's hoping to see from the kiddos. I'm hoping to see some baby Ted Lassos running around. I think that that would be you know, my, my dream costume for a kiddo at this point. 
For those looking to celebrate the holiday in style and safely, KOTO will be hosting its annual Halloween bash outdoors at the Transfer Warehouse on Saturday, October 30th. The event will run from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. with musical guests Cousin Curtis and Joint Point. There will, of course, be a costume contest. The 2022 open enrollment period for health insurance is coming up. Enrollment begins on November 1st and runs through December 15th to ensure coverage starting on January 1st, 2022. There will also be an enrollment period from December 16th to January 15th for coverage starting on February 1st. To help individuals enroll, Tri-County Health Network is partnering with Connect for Health Colorado, the state's official insurance marketplace. Tri-County is holding a number of enrollment events, appointments, and virtual meetings across the region. In-person meetings will take place in Telluride on Thursday, November 4th, and in Natarita on December 7th. There will also be virtual meetings available on November 17th, December 13th, and January 7th. Exact times, locations, and registration for virtual events are available at tchnetwork.org. To book an appointment outside of event times, call 970-708-7096 or email enrollment at tchnetwork.org. Jack-o'-lanterns haven't even begun to rot. Turkeys are still plumping for Thanksgiving, but the Grand Mesa in Compagre and Gunnison National Forests are already preparing for Christmas. Christmas tree permits are currently on sale for the G-Mug and will remain on sale through the holiday season. Permits are required to cut a tree on federal land and cannot be cut near picnic areas, campgrounds, trailheads, scenic pullouts, wilderness areas, or near ski areas. Trees must be subalpine or Douglas fir, Engelman spruce, lodgepole, briscoe, ponderosa, or pinyon pine, or juniper. They must also be a maximum of 20 feet tall with a stump diameter of 6 inches maximum. To purchase a tree permit, go to recreation.gov and search for Grand Mesa, Incompagre, and Gunnison National Forests Christmas Tree Permits. A Denver judge has thrown out a lawsuit aiming to block one of Colorado's three statewide ballot measures. The people who brought the legal challenge argued Amendment 78, which seeks to limit the governor's ability to spend emergency funds, should not have qualified for the ballot because it did not have anything to do with the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, or TABOR. But the judge ruled the lawsuit was filed too late. There was a September deadline to challenge approval of ballot measures, and ballots had already been printed and mailed out when the lawsuit was submitted. Supporters of Amendment 78 say the state legislature should have the final say in all government spending, but opponents fear it will slow down responses to wildfires and other emergencies because of bipartisan bickering at the Capitol. Auditors at the state capitol say they found multiple flaws in a pandemic relief program that paid out millions of dollars of rent money to Colorado landlords. KOTO's Scott Franz has more. The so-called Property Owner Preservation Program distributed almost $50 million to landlords whose tenants could not pay rent during the pandemic. But auditors estimate the Division of Housing wrongfully spent more than $2.3 million on things like duplicate payments and rent that was late before the pandemic. 
Heidi Wagner led the audit. According to the division, these overpayments happened because they were reviewing applications very quickly and trying to get the money out the door to those in need. Auditors are recommending the state try to recover the money. Their probe also found it was not notifying many tenants. Their landlords had received payments from the program. That lack of notices left the program more vulnerable to fraud and noncompliance. I'm Scott Franz at the State Capitol. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for showers tonight with a low around 35 degrees. Winds could gust as high as 45 miles per hour. Tuesday, expect rain and snow showers throughout the day and into the night. Winds could gust as high as 45 miles per hour. The high is around 40 degrees with a low around 20. Roughly an inch of snow accumulation is possible. Wednesday should be sunny with a high near 40 degrees. Wednesday night, expect mostly clear skies with a low around 25. This has been the news for Monday, October 25th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.